When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Will Stewart in front of me and Chris Coleman to my right. Guys, how was everyone's Easter? Did you all have a good a good Easter weekend? Yeah, it was a typical weekend. Yeah, yeah we did. My son came home from Tech, and uh, so we had the family all together. It was very cool. My dad and I got to play golf on Easter, which was really great. And then we got to watch the Orioles uh, just completely stink. And it looks like it's going to be a very, very long baseball season for me. Yep. Uh, so I told you really a year ago you should have sold everybody. But. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. My, my, my Orioles are not Not, not, that, you, not that you're the decision maker there. Exactly, yeah. And unfortunately, Dan Duquette is the, is the decision maker when it comes to personnel. And he doesn't know what he's doing. And then another issue I have with also is that if I were to go pay for the MLB.TV package, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I could not watch the Orioles on that package. Would well, you like to know why? Because they're local. Because they're local and they'd be Black blacked out. out. Yeah, I hate local the, in quotes. Right. I it's well, it's the same thing with the Braves Nationals. Like, I subscribe to MLB package so I can watch all the Braves games, but they black out the Braves Nats games here, which forces me to watch Mason. So I have to listen to FP Santangelo. And see, here's the issue with Masson is that I don't get Masson in right. my current location. Right. And we're trying to figure out how to get Masson because me and my roommate are both Orioles fans. It's funny how that worked out. But, uh, so yeah, I can't, not only do they stink, I can't watch them stink. I think if you're paying $100 a year for, for MLB you TV, watch whatever you, you should want. be able to watch whatever you want and whichever broadcast you want. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree, but unfortunately it's not no, how it works. No, the idea is with them blacked out, you're supposed to buy tickets and drive all the way up to Baltimore <sighs> to see them play. Mm-hmm. I I I haven't been to a game in a few years, unfortunately, um, be, just because of you know college and all that and, and getting into the workforce. But I do want to go. It's a great, great. Have you been to? Uh, I've not. I've always Camden? wanted to go. Camden Yards is beautiful. It's absolutely I never told gorgeous. you my story of going there. Mm-mm, no. Uh, man, it's been a long time. Uh, when did it open? Ninety two. Oh, Ninety. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was the park in in Major League Two. Yeah, was they, it? yeah, they filmed Major League Two and Camden Yards. Yep. See, I don't really remember all that much of Major League Two because yep. everything after Major League was crap. Yep. So, so I, tell, <laughs> I tell this story all the time. Um, you know, my brother and my dad and I went there because my brother used to be an O's fan before the Nats came along. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, because I could seriously let into about that, but go ahead. Oh, I just, oh. I know why he's not a Colts fan anymore. He was a Baltimore Colts that, fan. That's understandable. But yeah, anyway, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. So we're there, and we're, we're watching, and they were playing the uh, A's back when the A's had Ken Seiko and McGuire playing for him, and, and we were sitting out in right field. And Ken Seiko came up, and he blasted a home run to left field. And that was the epitome of the ball got out of there in a hurry. Um, I don't see a lot of Major League Baseball games. I'd never seen anything before like that before in my life. He turned and crushed it, and it looked like it went out on a straight line. I yeah. was just like, "Wow!" Yeah. And I didn't think about steroids, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, yeah. uh, Camden's a bit of a, uh, a hitter's, hitter's park. park. There's, there's definitely it. a couple power alleys there, but 
We have plenty to get to in terms of Virginia Tech, so we won't bore you with the Orioles and how bad they are. But before we get to all that, we do have to thank our sponsor at the Fisher Law Firm. The Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. They are based out of Blacksburg and can serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. The firm does cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia and regularly appears in over 30 jurisdictions. Last year, 98% of their caseload was traffic offenses, and to date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, you can call them anytime, day or evening, toll-free at one 800 680 7031 or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com again the number is 1-800-680-7031 and you can email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com all right the first thing that we're going to hit on this podcast it's going to be kind of jumping around a bit there's not going to be a central theme to this podcast but I do want to hit on the Virginia Tech women's basketball team who lost in the finals of the WNIT over the weekend they played in front of a crowd that was 13,000 people you see why Indiana got the home game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was the last time Tech ever had even? Well, a, first of all, Castle doesn't thousand. even sit thirteen. Yeah, well, yeah. So since you brought it up, Penn State. Um, under yeah, Penn, under Bonnie Henriksen, uh, I think it was Bonnie's last year here. Tech hosted a uh, the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I don't remember who they played in the first round, but they played Penn State in the second round, and Penn State was the higher seeded team and and won the game. But I think Tech's attendance that day was about five or six thousand. Wow! Um, and it has not been that high and since. The, then. And that was for an NCAA tournament game, yeah. uh, not a WNIT. Exactly. Game. Yeah. I, I do remember Castle selling out for a UConn game when I was a freshman. It was a game where if it wasn't sold out, it was very close to being sold out. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, I think Diana Taurasi. By was today's standards, Super, it would be a, it would be a sellout, right? right. Probably. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I and I think it was even a sellout by by standards those days too. But I remember. Uh, Tech lost that game by nine points. They cut it to three late, but then UConn pulled away over the last minute or two. But I remember the lights going out in the game, and there were those old-style lights in Castle Coliseum. It took them like 20 minutes to turn back on. Well, they get warmed up, yeah. yeah. Well, the lights went out on Virginia Tech in the fourth quarter. Huh, get yeah. it? Nice yeah. segue. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, was outscored 22-13 to 13 in the fourth. They battled really hard with Indiana playing in front of that, that crowd, which obviously they haven't played in front of a crowd like that all season and uh, will you wrote the recap for us but i don't want to spend too much time on the recap as much as i want to talk briefly about the outlook of the program heading into next year and given that all five of those players in the starting lineup are coming back including both of their bench players kendall brooks and uh michelle barry and but, Ken- kendall brooks will be healthier next year. yes definitely because she actually we hope <laughs> yeah well i mean it, it was funny i saw on her instagram yesterday she was actually in at the hospital, I guess, doing some pre-surgery. Well, she stuff, made so. a shot the other day, didn't she? A three she hour. did, yeah. Yeah, she did. yeah. yeah. so it, it was good for her to Which hadn't happened streak. in a while because of her injury Exactly, issues. yeah. But it, it, well, when you look at this team, uh, it seems like they have the pieces to at least be an NCAA tournament team, correct? I think so. You know, um, a, a lot of the times teams, when they're trying to rebuild, like Virginia Tech is, they just need something to make things start clicking. Yeah, and and you got to think that that this is what made that happen. Uh, I can't remember is the field thirty two or sixty four. Sixty four. So they won five games, correct? I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah, <laughs> one of them um, on the road against WVU, and WVU had beaten them by almost twenty points earlier this year. Yeah, yeah so, so I I, I, I think you know I I don't follow the team as closely as you do, but when I watch them, uh, 
they they look like a team that's got some things figured out. They look like they know who their go-to players are now. You know, they just you, – you never know what crystallized for them that'll that'll feed into next year and, and really help them be, uh, be better next year. One of the things that will really help them as well is that they're – at least we think they're going to get some players back uh, in terms of Shanette Hicks possibly and maybe DeAndre DeRosa, but also – they're, um, Sierra Votal, who redshirted this year, she'll be playing. And also they're getting that girl, Dara Mabry, who we've talked about before, uh, who was a two-time N- uh, New Jersey Gatorade Player of the Year. Yeah. So you take the, the starting lineup that they've got, you add some, some bench pieces, you bring some players back, and they might actually have some depth next year, which they didn't have at the end of the season. They were playing seven players for the last several games of the year. So, and if the ACC schedule breaks right, you yeah. know, if, if it's an easy schedule versus a hard schedule, yeah, they could certainly. I, you know, I don't want to say NCAA tournament or bust, but I think that should be the goal next yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think that's I think when you fair. look at Kenny Brooks' history, what he did at James Madison, I mean, the guy was was in the postseason every year more times than not in the NCAA tournament. And he took over a program that wasn't particularly good when he got here. He's made a deep run in the WNIT his first two years, and he's bringing everybody back. Then, yeah, I mean, to me, it just – has the has the feel of this being an NCAA tournament team next year, and I I think that 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 that's consistent with what he did at James Madison. Yeah, because yeah. w- when he got to James Madison, it took him a couple years to get into the WNIT, but then they went there, then they made the tournament the next year, then they were in the WNIT for the next two years, but then they started to make the NCAA tournament more consistently, and then obviously <laughs> they made the NCAA tournament. Uh, their last three seasons at James Madison with wow. Kenny Brooks. So, so the, the longer he was there, the better they got. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they, it's not like they they tailed off at the end. And he wasn't there for three or four years. He, he was, was there, there for about for a, a decade. While. Yeah, he yeah. was there for a long time. So it seems like Tech's program is moving in the right direction. They get a couple pieces back maybe next year. We'll see what's going on with Shanette Hicks. Obviously, they get that girl Darren Mabry in the program. Uh, they have a couple other players that they're signing. They have some players that redshirted this year that'll be available off the bench. It seems like the program is moving in the right direction, so we'll have to catch up with Kenny. Yeah, you never know. He's thinking. You never know what adding a bunch of players will do to the chemistry of a team. Uh, you, you look, Buzz Williams appears to me to always be trying to figure things out early in the year. Yeah, um, you know, Tech, the the men's team will generally have a, a head scratcher of a loss. You know, um, <laughs> where they just they look like they just haven't figured Alabama themselves State. out yet. And uh, St. Louis, but Alabama State's the worst man. That yeah. was bad. <laughs> I, I think that's definitely fair. Let's go ahead and move on from that. I do want to hit on the uh, the national championship game. Villanova defeated Michigan. Um, you know how much of this game I watched? You guys know, but no one on the podcast knows. You Zip. didn't watch any of it. I didn't watch any of it. It, it was a good game for a while, and then it was just a just a, a what do you say? Just sit there watching Villanova, going, "Wow!" So the DiVincenzo show was pretty good, man. He was he was out of his mind, Dante DiVincenzo. Doesn't he come off the bench for them? Yes, I, I was uh, I was out watching the uh, Saturday night. I went out to to watch the Braves on one TV and the Final Four games on another TV. And I was talking to this kid who was a tech student. And he had gone up to Pittsburgh to the NCAA tournament and seen Villanova play in person just like us. And he's like, I saw him play in person. That, And he follows college basketball a lot. He said, I can't imagine anybody beating him. He was just – they're I, so good. I wrote, they, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote on the message boards that, uh, yeah, when from, from press row we got to watch Villanova-Radford and then Virginia Tech-Alabama. And Villanova just chewed Radford up and spit him out. They were up 39-14. to 14. Um, 
but I, I, and I thought, wow, that looks like a national championship team. But then I tempered myself with Radford's a 16 seed and they typically don't do well. They only go to the NCAA tournament every 10 years and they usually get, you know, frankly blown out when they do. They're, yeah. six, they're not a UMBC 16 seed, which I, I think UMBC was poorly seeded. That's actually a pretty good basketball team, but that's another topic. But, but I thought to myself, ah, chill out. They were just playing Radford, but, man, it turned out to be Villanova correct. won their NCAA tournament games by a margin of 17.7 points. No, no, nobody played them a, to a single-digit game, right? Yeah, West Virginia, 12 West, points. West Virginia gave them a good game, but Villanova crushed them over the last eight minutes. Or yeah, something. they just they had a way of just cranking it up for five to eight minutes and putting you away. And, and in, in the case of uh, Michigan, they cranked it up for about 25 minutes. Uh, Villanova is a – it's kind of a Virginia tackle on steroids. That they have players at all five positions that can pass, dribble, and shoot. Uh, I mean, you, you you look at their big center. Uh, what's his What's his last name? Starts with a P. Uh, Pashal. Pascal. Pascal. Pascal is that how you pronounce it? Um, I mean, that guy can drive. See, that's what happens shoot. when you go to a bar and you're watching two games at once. You don't, you don't, you don't have the announcers. You don't know how that guy's yeah. name is pronounced. Exactly. And, and you know, the, I mean, honestly, Villanova doesn't have the big ESPN contract because they're not in a major conference. So I just don't you didn't get to really watch him play this year until the tournament. Yeah, they're they're over um, on Fox and how, CBS. How lot. impressive is that that Villanova, despite being stuck in the carcass of the Big East, <laughs> uh, is able to be as good as they are. I mean, I feel like that that's, that that's no I, easy thing. I, I think it speaks to Jay Wright. I mean, he's been there for so long, and he's built such a strong foundation. And, you know, when we rolled into the interview room on Wednesday, the day before the, the games in Pittsburgh, and he was being asked a question about recruiting, and he was talking about how he recruits against Ivy League schools a lot. He says, and he says, he tells kids, look, if your parents can afford you to send – to, can afford to send you to an Ivy League school, you need to go to an Ivy League school. But if they can't afford to send you to an Ivy League school, then you need to, you need to come to Villanova. Um, and, and, and so his teams have a high basketball IQ. They're just really – they're, they're skilled, they're, but they're really right, smart. So he, he's created the perfect storm of, of skill plus basketball IQ. I mean, they're not, they're not as talented as Duke, but they're obviously, they're obviously very experienced. Um, they're going to bring everybody back. Uh, Bridges, well, I'm sure we'll probably declare for the draft. But, yeah. But uh, and Brunson, I think is his name. He's might a go. junior. Yeah, he might go. Yeah. Um. um so a couple of things. Listening to all that, um, six years ago, Villanova had a losing record. They were five and thirteen in the Big East, and that was Jay Wright's eleventh year. <laughs> <laughs> that was his team three times over, and I think there was a lot of heat on him at that point in time. And, and Chris can probably recall yeah. this better than I can. Didn't and the tech job was open at the time. And didn't Jay Wright? Didn't we hear that Jay Wright talked to Jim sure. Weaver? They go back. Um, I don't know if it was that specific year. It might have been. Yeah, I think I think it probably was that specific year. Um, yeah, they go back because Jay Wright, I believe, was an assistant at UNLV when Jim Weaver was the AD there. Yeah. So so they knew each other and they had a conversation. And I don't think it was so much about trying to hire Jay Wright for the Virginia Tech job. Uh, unless he really, really wanted out of Villanova, which he well, may have wanted out. Uh, well, I don't think it's necessarily that he wanted out per se, but it, you reach that point where you're in your 11th year and you have a losing record, and you and you do question, have I taken them as far as I can take them? Do I need to get out before the pitchforks start coming? Right, out? right, exactly, exactly. And now, man, two national championships in the last three years, and and this one, this one was dominant. It was. Um, I mean, it was it was extremely dominant. They. You know, again, the, the the margin was up seventeen plus points, and you know, Dan Wolken, who's a guy I really like to read over the over at USA Today, he talked about how 
just strictly speaking from facts, man, they're one of the best teams probably in college basketball history. Oh, how I, good they were. I, th- I think this there's, year. there's no question about that. And, and, you know, let's not discredit Michigan here. I mean, John Beeline is an yeah. outstanding coach, and I, I thought they, they're really good. He doesn't get enough credit he doesn't, for what he does Right, there. right. And I just didn't think they were quite athletic enough to guard Villanova. I think that that was the, the big difference in that game. Um, I, what, I, what I've enjoyed about the last three years of college basketball is – the last three national champions have featured, I think, one, one and done, and that was a backup center for Chris UNC over last here, year. Segwaying into my next question, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, so, uh, it's, so to me, it's so much more enjoyable these days. I mean, these one and done teams are getting man. knocked out early in the NCAA tournament, and the experience teams with real college basketball players are winning the championships. Gonzaga played for the national title last year. Villanova's played for it and won it two out of the last three years. Um, you know, even when Carolina's been in there, they haven't done it with one and one guys. Uh, so I, I think there's a science to winning the national title these days, and it doesn't involve loading your team with with a bunch of one and duns. I, I think I think it's good to have a couple of those guys, but if that's all you're depending on for the most part, uh, kind of like Duke this year, it was it was well, Grayson Allen and a bunch of one and duns. Well, think about it with Duke. Duke had Grayson, and then they had four one and done freshmen, um, and they got beat by Kansas, mm-hmm. who then proceeded to get beat by double digits by Nova. Mm-hmm. So how I mean. It's fair to say that Duke might have lost by 15 yeah. to, to Nova. Right. And and you see what – I go back to that regular season game at Duke when UVA beat Duke. And, and you know, there, there's not a player on UVA's roster that, that is, is going to be like a first-round NBA pick or anything like that. But Duke went up against that system, the pack line, and those freshmen, they just didn't know how to handle it. And, uh, and, and I think you can be as talented as – as Duke's players are, then, you know, a lot of them are going to be first-round picks. But if you put a bunch of inexperience together, talent can only take you so far in college basketball. If you play a team that is very skilled and very experienced and they know what they're doing, uh, you're going to get beat. And, I mean, you, you've seen Calipari as successful as he's been at Kentucky. How many national titles has he won? One. They didn't get out yeah. of the second round this year. Yeah, I mean, and he's had – so many NBA players walk mm-hmm. through the walk through those doors. Uh, go, go ahead, Will. Well, a couple things. Um, it, it gets difficult to get get those young kids to play together properly. And man, listening to you guys, I totally lost my train of thought. So I, I will <laughs> I will throw this trivia. This this is going to be the answer to a trivia question years from now. Where did Villanova finish in the Big East this year? Second. Second, man, Dom, dominant to the national championship, and but they didn't even finish first in their own conference. They, sma- think- they smashed Xavier. They crushed Xavier both times in the regular season, but they managed to lose one more Big East game. I think it's crazy uh, how that works. Uh, yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to remember what it was I was going to say about the one and done guys, and it's gone. So let's, let's move on. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, the 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 thing I wanted to say was, uh, first of all, a couple things. One, I think there's a chance you could start to see schools like Duke or uh, Kentucky, or these programs that accept a lot of one-and-done players, maybe they start to recruit these guys less. Well, they should, honestly. Um, here's here's my question. Again, maybe they don't, because it, having guys like uh, Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley and Gary Trent brings a lot of attention and publicity and in, 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 you know, just speaking in terms of fact, it revenue does. It does. to your program. Well, Duke's going to sell out either way, though. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I think I've really started to think a couple things recently. Um, you know, number one, when I was sitting there watching the national title game and I was watching two teams without elite-level talent 
compete for the national title, and Villanova won it two out of three years. I'm thinking, I'm really enjoying college basketball more than college football these days. Because, you know, college football is just a meat market, and it takes elite talent to win a national title. You know, unless you have Alabama talent, Clemson talent, a bunch of first-round picks, you're not going to win the national title. Obviously, you can do that in college basketball, though. I don't think you can do it in football. Um, The only reason you can do it in college basketball and not in college football is that uh, the elite talent is allowed to leave so early, right? Because I mean, if if Duke had those one and dones for three years, if if Alabama was cycling a, an entire team every year, every year, in, in they, yeah, exactly, sure. then they wouldn't be as good. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, so that that brings me to my next point: Does Virginia Tech have a better chance to win the national championship in football or basketball? For honestly, they're never going to have Alabama talent in football. Uh, that's just the way it is. I, uh, I, I I think I still think it's football. Um, but they're more likely to get Villanova talent in basketball than they are Alabama talent in football. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Yes, so so while I think there's more likely that, that the football program will be consistently good over the long term, I think there's a better chance to win a national championship in basketball if you get like one recruiting class right and, and you have a bunch of guys that can pass dribble and shoot and they stay four years. It, it can happen. You yeah, know, and you get and, the right draws in the tournament. So that reminds me of the the thing that I lost from my train of thought earlier. You know, talking about the one and dones, uh, there's a poster on our basketball board who a, a younger person, I don't think he's a student, but he's, and, and this is probably the subject of another podcast, um, he is a Virginia Tech football fan and a Duke basketball fan. And that happened a lot as Virginia Tech stunk in basketball for years and years and years. Kids grew up around here as Virginia Tech football fans, and then they rooted for UNC or Duke or somebody else. Yeah, try living in Danville. So <laughs> now, I, now I'm I'm not a big Duke basketball follower or anything like that. But but this kid made a point. You know, three or four years ago when Duke did win the national championship with some one and dones, uh, they had I think the point guard was named Tyus Jones. Is that correct? Ring a bell? I don't see. I don't know players these days. See, I know. Quick. You know. But that and, – and I never could have named the kid, but then I was like, oh, yeah, that guy was really good. He was really a, a clutch player, you know, kind of like Kyrie Irving was in the NBA Finals last year or the year before, even though Cleveland lost. Um, you can get the right personalities. Duke clearly didn't have a, uh, a talent problem this year. I think it was more of a chemistry problem. You know, youth youth is going to be an issue when you're cycling one and done's through. But they also had a chemistry issue. There's something that wasn't quite right about that team that was right about them three or four years earlier, whenever it was that they wanted. That year, they had Tyus Jones as their point guard. They had Justice Winslow, who is now playing yeah. for the Heat uh, in the NBA. Quinn Cook, uh, who was a senior. Uh, Emil Jefferson, who was kind of more of a, an experienced guy. Grayson Allen was a freshman on the team. Uh they had oh Julia Okafor. Oh, of course, yeah, Okafor. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they it was they, really good in college, but wasn't in. Well, so how long? How long good. did? How many years did Winslow play college basketball? Just that one. Yeah. There you go. So Allen was a freshman. You had Winslow and Okafor as one and dones, and Tyus Jones was a one and done. But he he was the guy they could count on. I think he was the kind of you know. Again, I'm not a close bat Duke he basketball. Was their fourth follower. leading scorer that year. <laughs> but I just remember him. He 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 was the guy who rose to the occasion in the NCAA tournament. You know. And if you're a Duke basketball fan and you know better, then say so. But that that's kind of what I remember. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't see Virginia Tech ever being good enough to win a, a, a championship in basketball. Well, I don't either. All I'm, but, sa- all I'm saying is it's a better I, chance in football. But I do see a, re- a, a semi-realistic track 
See, in I don't. Football, I don't. How many top? They, how, how many? How many top five teams has Virginia Tech beaten in the history of the program? Well, I, is, is it one or two? I get that, but two. I think. I don't, two, think, uh, okay. I don't think you can hold that history against them. Well, well, they'd have to win three in a row against a top five team. Yeah. Now yeah. three yeah. games. ACC in a row championship against, game and two playoff right. games. But I could totally see. It, it, to me, it is more likely that Virginia Tech becomes Wisconsin, where they have a chance to be in the playoff every year. Well, where it, then then they become Villanova. Here's the thing: you can win the NCAA tournament without facing a top five team in the entire tournament. Yeah, Michigan made it all the way to the finals without pay, playing a top five seeded, much team. less a top five team. And when they ran into a, a, somebody in the top five, right. the, a number one seed, they got you know they got spanked. Right. right. But. And Villanova beat what one top five team. As far as a like, literally top five teams in the country. Kansas is probably a top five team in the country, yeah. but that's the only top five team that Villanova had to face. Uh, it's it's they got uh, better draws than easier draws than it takes to get through the college football playoffs. Yeah, you know the the only parallel I can draw is uh, the year that Tech had to play Nebraska in the '96 Orange Bowl. It was because Nebraska had lost the Big Twelve Championship game okay. to Texas. Yeah. And it wasn't that good of a Texas team. Nebraska just – They played a terrible game. Yeah, they played a bad game. and It's just unlikely that that sequence of events repeats itself two or three times whereby you wind up playing a 10 to 15 ranked team to make your way to the national championship game. It's just it's just not going to happen. Right. Well, right now it's not likely that either team is going to win a national championship. Yeah. But we'll see maybe in 10, 15 years. We'll, we'll, we'll have to revisit the topic if we're still around and figure out what's going on. But – one of the other things I wanted to hit on, Chris, you wrote an article on this, and I thought it was really interesting. I didn't get to read it until after I got back from my dad's for Easter weekend. Um, you talked about how Ohio State has this internship speaker program uh, that allows their players to network and connect with Fortune 500 companies oh, and other okay. big-name okay. uh, businessmen across the industry. And I thought it was really interesting how you brought that up. So can you kind of expand on that a bit for those? So before you get started, let me add a little context. Uh, Ohio State's athletic revenue and expenditures are are double Virginia Tech's. Yeah, I have the revenue numbers here specifically. So Ohio State's uh, fiscal year 2015 revenue was 170 million, 170.8 million. Uh, Virginia Tech's revenue that year was 83.7 million. Right. So twi- over twice, a little over twice yeah, as much. Yeah. So, what exactly is this program uh, about, and what, what were you kind of well, able to? They'll, they'll bring in just big, some of the details. They'll bring in big guest speakers um, throughout the spring, um, and they'll range from for Rod- their for their football for team. their football program. The, and it'll range from Roger Goodell to Phil Knight. You know, I've looked it up, and it, Phil Knight to bring Phil Knight in, it costs a hundred plus grand as a as a guest speaker for speaking fees. Yeah, and they're, they're bringing a. Uh, CEOs of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, the former CEO of, uh, oh goodness, American Express, people like that, people that charge huge, huge public speaking fees. They had a Goldman they, Sachs person. In I there think too, probably didn't they? so. Um, you know, it's and it's they can afford to do stuff like that, and and they have a they've got this big internship networking program because you know they live in a big city. I mean, if Columbus is the fifteenth largest city in America or fourteenth largest, something like that. And there's so many job opportunities around there. You can get your players internships over the summer, and they can still stay on campus and continue to work out. Virginia Tech player wants an internship over the summer. They've got to go back to Richmond, Northern Virginia, Virginia Beach, wherever they're from. Uh, And 
if you leave campus over the summer, somebody who doesn't leave campus is going to take your spot. Um, and then they have a big career fair just for their athletes. Uh, a lot of big corporations donate to Ohio State as part of you know their version of the Hokie Club. Um, you know, Nationwide is the official insurance sponsor of Ohio State. They're a Fortune 500 company based in Columbus. Uh, who, uh, who sponsors their arena? I thought it was – I think it was, it was may Nationwide. Be, yeah, maybe Nationwide. Uh, they have a Value City arena also, I think. Uh, <laughs> they, they've got like two different basketball arenas. I, I don't know. But uh, I think they have a separate arena for maybe their women's team. I, I don't know. But, but it's the amount of money they have is, is just completely insane. And Value City arena. Value City arena. But I think it used to be Nationwide Arena. No, you might be right, yeah. Anyway, don't, may, don't, yeah. don't let me derail the conversation. You're asking me to look up too much stuff here, Will. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got, they've got so much money. And I think, let's say you're a parent and, and, and you see that video that Ohio State produced last week and, and, there, and there's athletes talking about the internship opportunities and, and you see that your, your kid can meet these high-level CEOs and and they have a job fair specifically for Ohio State athletes. It's like joining a fraternity, man. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can have the best GPA in the world, but if you don't have the right networking, you know, sometimes it's better to join a frat and make mediocre grades than it is to make really good grades and just but not know anybody because you stay in your room studying all the time, right? It, that's it, a whole different argument, but I think it's valid. Yeah, it, you know, it's a, that, that's one path, sure. That, yeah. And that's kind of like I know what kids it, who have taken that path. Absolutely, uh, and and I and I think it, that's kind of what Ohio State football is like, and it's a big recruiting tool for them. And and you know you read on our recruiting boards all the time. Oh, Virginia Tech needs a closer in recruiting. No, Virginia Tech. What Virginia Tech needs is a hundred seventy million dollar budget, <laughs> so they can do things like that and, and spare no expense. Do you think that there's a way that Virginia Tech could? feasibly create a similar program no. even if it wasn't in the yeah. same magnitude uh, sure sure but instead of the ceo of of jp morgan jp morgan in the CEO you bring the CEO of union you, bank you, <laughs> right correct correct yeah you know which is fine and that's a big time job don't get me wrong yeah but but even then you know like the internship opportunities around here are not there you can go home for the summer and do an internship but you know, the rest of your team is hanging out in Blacksburg practicing and, and you're not. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think being located near an urban environment is beneficial to a school. It's also, it's beneficial to a school from a money standpoint. I mean, all these big corporations and businesses donate to the Ohio State Athletic Department because they're right there in Columbus. And they, they, they go get to the all visibility the right there. Yeah. Right there. I mean, and there's... So if you're a big Richmond-based company, I mean, Virginia Tech has Union Bank right now, but but you know that that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, and and um, Carillion, Carillion, you know, which, and, but, which but, is but, really but, a Roanoke. Carillion's local in Roanoke, uh, but there's just there's not as much, not nearly as much opportunity for Virginia Tech to make corporate cash as it is for a program like Ohio State that's located in a big city. Isn't it nice to see an athletic department spending this kind of money on something that actually helps players? down the road yeah I, I i agree with that you know and i'll be honest i've never been a big ohio state fan but i i, I this makes me like them more this makes you respect them a, they're a they're, they're spending their money on, on for stuff like that rather than oh here's a nap room you know here, here's a swimming pool here's a lazy river yeah, right ex- exactly ucf i'm looking at you right which, yeah. which i think i think is just completely ridiculous i, I think that's excess spending and 
I, I think that should be subject to a luxury tax, but that's a whole another uh, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But if you're spending your money in the right way, like Ohio State is with this, you know, I think that's perfectly acceptable. I'm jealous, but I'm not critical. I'm not that's exactly sure. exactly. This is not a we're not criticizing Ohio State. You're praising them. I'm praising them, and and I, and, I, and I I'm doing it to point out to Tech fans this is the difference between Virginia Tech and the tip of the spear. And over the, la- the the major schools like Ohio State have spent the last 15 years in college athletics steadily making it amount, about the money. Yeah. And, and the thing I'm starting to repeat is we have these conversations and we talk about the advantages that the Big Ten and SEC give from their networks and, and the huge budgets and everything is the more we have these conversations and the more things move in that direction, the more impressive it is what Frank Beamer did in the late 90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s with building a perennial Top five, top ten team right. at Virginia Tech. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty uh, impressive feat. You mentioned networks, and I thought you were going to take a shot at John Swaffer because I was going to say it wouldn't be a podcast unless Will expressed some, some uh, dissatisfaction with with John Swafford and the ACC network. Mama told me if you can't say anything nice, <laughs> and I will, I will invoke that rule for this podcast. <laughs> That's probably a good decision. The last topic I want to hit on, and maybe we'll spend a bit more time on this one because it's a bit more relevant in terms of right now, uh, but the for me, the major takeaway from yesterday's press conference, we're recording this Wednesday morning. Football press conference. Yes, football press conference, uh, was that there is clearly, in my opinion, I don't think I don't think it's disputable at this point. I think it is very clear that there is some serious dissatisfaction with this coaching staff with Adonis Alexander. <laughs> well yeah. I, I mean, if if I was a coach, I'd be very dissatisfied with Adonis Alexander. I mean, when you recruit guys, you expect them to make themselves available, bar an injury, to 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 play in every game. And the guy's got suspended two out of his three years at Virginia Tech. So, so he and that, you know is an upperclassman. You know, if a guy gets suspended as a freshman or a sophomore or as a younger player, okay, that's one thing. He hasn't grown up yet. But Adonis got suspended last year as a junior when he's supposed to be, you know, one of the experienced players on a team. Yeah. And uh, and as a coach, you know, you you look at you look at guys you can rely on, and and you're less likely to put a guy on the field if you can't rely on him off the field. Um, if he's not mature enough to do things right all the time off the field, can you really trust him on the field? Uh, and, you know, when Adonis, he got suspended oh, for two games early last year. And then uh, and then he was uh, and then he came back and you know, he didn't play particularly well. And then he got hurt and played even worse. Um, so it just wasn't a good season for him. Uh, but but it all started with that suspension. I mean, as a coach, you know, you want to be able to rely on your players. And re- so far in his first three years, he has shown himself to not be reliable, not be consistent. Um as a coach, all you can ask of your players is that they operate at maximum efficiency. And Adonis has not put himself in a position to do that throughout his career. So, so far. So yeah. far. Really quick, before we move on to the rest of this conversation, let me go ahead and provide some context. So at yesterday's press conference, we asked Justin Fuente about um, a comment he made earlier in the spring, which also referenced Adonis Alexander, talking about how the older players in the secondary, which if you look at the roster, there's not many of them, uh, needed to show more, quote, accountability and consistency. Those were the words he used. Um, so we asked him if, if those guys had maybe shown that so far in the first three weeks of spring practice. And this was his quote. I think Jovan has made some large strides, referring to Jovan Quillen. Right. I've been pleased with his development. We've got several guys that are a little bit older that are working on all of that stuff. 
And I'm not singling out Adonis. I'm just saying several guys in general that are going to have to get that stuff taken care of and act in that manner or will move on, end quote. Then he was asked again about Adonis Alexander, and he said, quote, Adonis loves playing football. I love Adonis. I love all our kids. They all have their own things they've got to overcome and handle. Each guy is different. He's not the only one by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to get into a public admonishment of each player that we're working through things, but Adonis has a lot of great qualities. He enjoys being a part of this football team, as do some of those other guys I'm referring to, and hopefully they'll continue to do right in all areas of their lives so they can be a part of this. Well, first of all, you know, he's not wrong. I'm sure there are other players with issues, too, that we don't even know about. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand... So, he, so before you continue on, let, let's talk about specifically about Jovan Quillen, because you guys remember details more than I do. Does he have a history of having been suspended... Not, no, he's never not, been suspended. No, okay. not, not publicly. Not, 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 not that, that I know, know of. Yeah. Um, I just find it interesting that Fuente brought his name well, up. Well, he was well, asked about upperclassmen cornerbacks. And okay. there's only two of them. There's only two of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah, him and Adonis. Yeah. So, uh, Jovan yeah. is a junior. Right. So, sorry to interrupt. Continue. Fine. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think he was uh, – he's not wrong. But, but, but at the same time – yeah, uh, Adonis, I think, is a big – at least he's the most high profile of anybody Fuente could be talking about. Yeah, because he's been suspended twice in three years. Well, and, and he's and he's been a major player. Yeah, he's exactly. He's been a starter, I mean, starting caliber player for almost Go back to career. his freshman season. Yeah, I mean, was, man, didn't he look good at safety. Yeah, like, he Granted, did. he made some bonehead plays, and he was still learning the man. defense, and Bud Foster was chasing him down well, the sideline after blowing a coverage. Well – but, but he looked like he had a he had a future there. Uh, oh, I mean, I thought he was more consistent his freshman year, relatively speaking, than he has been since. Yeah, mm. I mean, and and it, it's just I don't remember a case of uh, Justin making indirect or direct references to a player struggling or dealing with things this this often. Well, it was kind of a it was it was a weird press conference from that from that standpoint, but also from the other end because he's never like. 100% out there with his praise for guys either. Yeah. But he used the word thrilled when talking about DeAndre Planton. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's he's always generally right in the middle when he talks about all, all He's all very his measured players. in his, in his response. You're exactly right. But he was way <laughs> up here yesterday when when uh, when uh talking about DeAndre Planton, but way down here when talking about Adonis Alexander. And he was also, he was also pretty high on Bryce Watts, who's a, you yeah, know, a he's sophomore pretty, corner. He's pretty high on Bryce Watts. Um, there was another offensive lineman uh Silas, uh, Silas Danzy. Yeah, Silas Danzy. He was he seemed pretty high on. Um, uh, you know, I don't think he necessarily came in there with a, an agenda to talk about Adonis uh, or, or not no. talk about Adonis. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's just what he was asked about. Um, I, I think he's a guy that knows that, that Adonis has a lot of talent and he wants to see him get the most out of it. And time's running out. Time's running out, man. Yeah, this is your last year. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, th- th- there was some talk that possibly Adonis could have declared for the draft that would have been after foolish. last year, but it definitely seems like it's better for his career if he's able to get things turned around and, and figure it out and start this season. Uh, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, you can't really pencil him in as a starter right. at the moment. Um, who are some of your favorite options to start at cornerback this season other than Adonis Alexander? Yeah, you know, I think Bryce Watts is a guy who played well on special teams last year. Showed he can tackle in space. Uh, I think he has a good chance. And, and then Jeremy Webb coming in as a Juco player. You know, when you recruit a Juco player, you don't recruit him to sit on the bench. Um, so 
Uh, I think he's going to get a real hard Unless look. Unless it's A.J. Bush. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I think, uh, <laughs> Poor I, A.J. I think uh, – but I, I think those are the three options right there. I, I, don't, I don't see Tyree Rogers being a starting caliber player at this point, and I also don't see Quillen. I know Quillen's made progress, but Quillen was kind of – was basically at the bottom of the depth chart last year. So by making progress, you know, maybe he's up to third or fourth on the depth chart now. Yeah, and it, it, he could certainly have a chance to contribute at cornerback uh, this coming season, but it seems like Jeremy Webb is going to have some pretty high right. expectations to meet when he enrolls this summer. Right, and, and you know, it's it's never too late in college football. I mean, we saw Brendan Hill do nothing with his career until he was a redshirt senior. Yeah. And, and he moved to whip linebacker and was very good. You know, uh, and, you know, Jimmy Williams w- w- was a safety, and they moved him to corner as a junior, and he always had maturity issues er- earlier in his career, and then they moved him to corner, and bam, he was an All-American just like that. It takes Sometimes it takes guys a while Deion to Newsom develop. didn't do a whole lot in his career, and then he moved to whip for yeah, his and, last well, season. He was a better player. And yeah. he played a big role in the last couple for, games yeah, last yeah, year. He, he did, so it's never too late. And Stephen Friday's another guy. Stephen Friday's a guy who didn't start until he was a senior and had a really nice year. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's another one for sure. So it's never too late, and it's it's kind of hard to. I three years ago I would have been, I would have been able to tell you exactly what I thought about Jovan Quillen as a player <laughs> because we could see scrimmages, and I have no idea. Yeah, the only thing we've seen of him is on special right. teams. Right, and from and what I've heard, twenty minutes of open practice. Right, right, from what I've heard last year, you know, he wasn't close to seeing the field as a defensive player. Yeah. So significant improvement. Well, in the, it could mean. Third on the depth chart, fourth. Maybe it could be first. I I don't know. There's just no way to In the ECU game, when it was garbage time, the two cornerbacks that were on the field were Bryce Watts and Tyree Rogers. Right. I mean, exactly. I think that's pretty telling. So, yeah, right. So, last year, that means he was fifth on the depth chart, right? Yeah. 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 Or even sixth, you know, depending on on your point of view with things, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so I don't see that. Yeah, he would have been sixth because you would have had – uh, face and Strom and Adonis was, would definitely that's be right, third. That's right. And then you, Watson, Watts, and Rogers, Rogers, and then yeah. Jovan So Quillen. significant improvement for Quillen. He, maybe he's up to third now. I, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, they're gonna, whoever it is, whoever are the starters right now, they're going to have to deal with Jeremy Webb when, when he gets there. At least we hope they'll have to deal with yeah, Jeremy we Webb. Brian Mitchell is definitely hoping that, that he's in. <laughs> yeah. you know, he talked about how he's hoping for some, some gamesmanship from Jeremy Webb that he'll have the ability to start. Also, Mitchell sounds pretty pleased with Jermaine Waller and DJ Croson in yeah. terms of their athleticism, and that should bode well for the future. And yeah. they, they are both true freshmen true, who arrived yes, early in general. Yeah, and they're, right. they're both some freshmen with size, too. Yeah, Croson's, Croson's about 6 feet, 6'1", and Waller's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah, you know, and they never specifically said Croson was playing cornerback yesterday. I've heard he's also been seeing some time at free safety. Well, Bud mentioned that he uh, was working at Whip okay. behind Devin okay. as well. Okay, so they're trying him in a lot of different spots this spring to kind of figure out where his best role is. And I thought watching his high school film that he seemed like a pretty versatile guy. And when you have a guy who's, you know, 6'1". Tech loves versatile guys Yeah, 210 pounds like Carson is. um, And, you know, and he's got room to, to grow. It's still too early to project exactly where he's going to end up. but uh, Still hoping Mook Reynolds gets a look at corner? Uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see whether it comes down to that. I, I think in the end they're going to de- decide on their top five, who their top five go- guys are, and and get them on the field in some way, shape, or form. Because most of those guys in the secondary are capable of uh, of playing a different position. I would prefer, like, in a vacuum, to to keep Mook at the whip spot. But if Devin Hunter proves to be one of the top five players in the secondary, then I got to think that whip would be his position. Yeah. 
whip her over if you're going to move Reggie Floyd. But that doesn't but where are you going to move Reggie either. Floyd? Exactly. See, I think Reggie Floyd is is one of the few guys, maybe the only guy in the secondary that can only play one spot. Yeah, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he might be able to play whip, but I think Rover's a better fit. Oh uh, yeah, I don't want him on the wide side of the field guard yeah. slot receivers. No. Yeah, no. That, that's totally fair, but. All right, folks, all the time we have for this podcast. Remember, we have content all the time on TSL. If you're a TSL Pass subscriber, go read Chris's article on that Ohio State program. It's really in-depth, and I uh, I really like that whole kind of idea, and I think it's a good look that Tech fans should take take a look at. Also, we have an article already on TSL about Virginia Tech's cornerback issues, referencing some of the quotes yesterday about Adonis Alexander. They talk about Bryce Watts. We talk about DJ Croson, Jermaine Waller. We talk about all of those guys. And we'll have content coming throughout the week talking about the offensive line, the running backs, how those things are working out. So always going to be plenty of content on TSL. Um, And also we'll have the podcast next week as usual. But until then, that's all the time we have for today. For Will Stewart and for Chris Coleman, I'm Richard Blue. Thanks for listening.